Did you know that the 4th of July is on a Thursday this year? That's going to be a full weekend of fun out on the deck, four days. But if your deck isn't what it used to be and you aren't using it for great family gatherings, you need to call my friends at All Weather Decks. All Weather Decks is a 24-time winner of the Angie Super Service Award. And they probably help one of your neighbors. Click on the map link at allweatherdecks.net. Call All Weather Decks today at 913-206-1974 or go to allweatherdecks.net and mention you heard it on 810. Call now and relax. The show that takes you home. The Home Stretch with Sterling Holmes on ESPN Kansas City. 1510 AM, 94.5 FM, and the ESPN Kansas City Facebook page. Welcome to the Home Stretch, ESPN Kansas City, 1510 AM, 94.5 FM, 1510.com, and Facebook Live. Live in studio on a frigid, windy, Thursday afternoon, a lot like what it looks like the Chiefs will be playing the Jags in. Fun show today, I'll be joined, and by the way, I'm going to apologize in advance, I'm going to butcher his name, Jags Insider from Black and Teal, Uh, his name is Vinny, P-A-R-I-S-E, what do you think Kyle, Parisi, Paris? That was my first guess, I I think we nailed it. You you think we nailed it? Yeah. I'm sure he'll love that when we come on. Just, hey, man, love your work. Jags insider, I'm going to butcher your name. (laughs) So look forward to that in the second segment. Right around 3.15, we'll dive in to the Chiefs, Jags, and hear a little bit from the Jaguars' perspective. Trust me, we've talked about the Chiefs all week long. We'll talk about it more as we lead into the game on Saturday. But sometimes it's nice to get a perspective from the other side. Before the show started, there was a large spider. And I just want to ask, I'm not scared of, of spiders. I hate bugs, but not because I, 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 like they scare me. It's because I hate getting stung. I hate going to the beach and there no CMs come and just get me. Spiders don't bother me. But this thing bothered me. Yeah. It was right back behind my left shoulder, and it was a furry little guy Uh and little is i'm underselling a furry big guy yeah not a fan yeah tell you why you think oh all these things in here what could you get it with do i use a remote i went with a piece of paper but man what i just smacked it okay just smacked it gave it the karate kid nice little stiff arm yeah instead the derrick henry i stiffed arm this guy i can tell by your reaction but but frankly it's right there over my left shoulder still and I'm nervous. This thing it could be it could be faking. You yeah. know, it could be faking right now and just it, oh, yeah. it's hiding. It's sitting there going, You think you got me? <laughs> it was furry. I don't know many furry spiders, okay? See now you've got me worried. I'm gonna be looking at the board all You're all fine show. back there there is a big glass <laughs> yeah, wall partition between us. You're golden. That thing is is sealed. I'm wondering if I'm in some spider lair, someone here to try to do a prank on me. Yeah, I'd be nervous. Is this fear factor back here? Yeah, I mean, I'll check the, the little desk in front of you. Make Thank, sure. Oh, thanks, in front of me. Check behind I've me. I've got the eyes. Check, okay. my, check my six, <laughs> <Okay>. pal. <laughs> I'm doing fear factor radio show. That's what this is. Probably feels a lot like what the Jags are going into Kansas City. Just, you know there's trouble. You can't see it, but you know there's trouble. 
Before we talk more NFL, talk more Chiefs, we obviously talked about the Sunflower Showdown yesterday and the phenomenal job K-State did beating and coming out ahead against the Kansas Jayhawks. Great game. Give a lot of credit to Jerome Tang. But now I want to give some love to the Mizzou listeners. Missouri Tigers came out with a three-point victory over Arkansas last night. Uh, 79-76. Watch the game. Great game, but the refs once again marred what should have been a more fun game. They took all of the crowd out of it. They took all of the emotion. No team could get into a rhythm. Uh, I think there's zero chance either team should be complaining about foul calls. If anyone has a gripe, frankly, it's the the Arkansas fans. I think if if any team, they may have had more worse calls. But again, both teams, every single play down, foul. Yeah. Like the second or third night in a row. We've seen a great college basketball matchup. Just get overtaken by the guys with the black and white stripes on their shirts. 56 fouls in this game. Wow. 56. Arkansas had four guys foul out. It was brutal, man. Uh, Missouri came out ahead. They were down 10, found a way to fight and claw back. Give a lot of credit to Golston. Golston hit a couple of tough buckets. And if you're a Mizzou fan, you're sitting here going, that guy? Golston's a fine player, but he reminds you a little bit of J.R. Smith. (laughs) Like, he shoots balls that you're sitting going, please don't shoot that ball. But those are the ones he makes. Yeah. Wide open. You're like, okay, that's a good shot, DeAndre. Yeah. Brick. That's where the coach throws his hands up. And and goes, but oh, yes. he oh, had yeah. a clutch three, clutch and one. Golston was 16 points. Uh, good game. And another underrated storyline was Missouri making their free throws down the stretch. Eight of eight when you think it was pretty much over. But Arkansas was hitting shot after shot. Um, Black, the guard, um, he had a nice floater, then hit a very tough three. He ended up with 15 points. Good for him. But he really had a nice flurry late that kept a minute because if Mizzou missed any free throw, it wasn't a foregone conclusion. Oh, yeah. So Arkansas was up, what, 10? Like four or five minutes? They left? were up 10. Um, Golston hit that three in the corner. Then he had the and one that I believe tied it. Right. Kobe Brown, great game as well, 17.6 rebounds. The The question for Mizzou is they're winning games against relatively good competition. They've beaten Arkansas. I don't think Arkansas is elite. They're ranked top five going into this year. They don't look like they're top five, at least right now. Uh, I like Musselman, but you can only do so much. Illinois, Kentucky, they've not been as good as once thought, but still good wins for the Missouri Tigers, right? I'm not taking anything away from Mizzou. They're 14-4. and four. Dennis Gates has done a phenomenal job. Again, it's just tough when you look down I-70 and Jerome Tang yeah. is knocking off KU. Like It's a little different. If it weren't for Jerome Tang, Mizzou would be the greatest it, success story in college It would be so right fun, right? Yeah. So Mizzou's done a great job in their own right. Love what Dennis Gates is building in Columbia. But Arkansas has not been as good as once thought. But the fact that Mizzou was able to split against a program that going into the year was in the top five is massive. That means the talent, at least in Arkansas, is there. They're just not gelling at the moment. Missouri has done a nice job of finding ways to get it done. Nick Honor, when you watch him play, dude looks, it reminds me a little bit of Drew Smith. But Nick Honor, you look at him, you're like, "That's that's a D1 starting point guard on an SEC school. 
but he's a veteran guy. He has moves that you would see out of the the old guy at the YMCA that just cooks the younger, more athletic guys. Yeah. Nick Honor hit a massive three in this game. Pull up, fast break, nothing but net. Oh, yeah. You look at guys like Go Million. Where is he starting a team? Well, he's a good rebounder for a guard. Good defender, hard nose. Demoy Hodge, if you're a Missouri fan like I am myself, a Mizzou alum, if you want to be more enthused, Demoy Hodge is on a cold streak. That dude is ice cold basically since SEC play started. That's going to change. 0 for 5 from 3 in this game. That guy is way too talented to not start hitting. The fact Mizzou was 14-4, and 3-3 three and three in conference with Demoy Hodge struggling, that should give you something to look forward to. Isaiah Mosley played 19 minutes in this game. Uh, that's been the storyline all season long, really. What is going on with Isaiah Mosley? Well, he played 19 minutes. was a nice spark off the bench. Obviously, no Noah Carter in this one. He had eight points. Sean East, 12 points. Six of six from the free throw line, including four massive free throws late. Diara starting to get more playing time. Aiden Shaw, the local Blue Valley kid, starting to get more playing time. I'm excited as a Mizzou fan for the first time in a while. Yeah, you should be, man. Yeah. It, it feels – I'm excited in a different way from the Michael Porter Jr. first year of Conzo Martin. Conzo Martin that first year when he brought in a good recruiting class, brought in Michael Porter Jr., you were enthused, but mostly because of what he brought in. But the guys he brought in had a, a, a relationship with. Dennis Gates has a relationship, but he is doing this – with not top-end talent, yeah. if you can build and win with three-star guys, what happens when you start getting four stars and occasionally a five? What happens then? If you can prove to be a good head coach, Bill Self won the title last year with Kansas, and those weren't flooded with five-star guys. We always like to think KU gets the best of the best, and a lot of times they do. But he developed a lot of those guys. Yep. Abaji and uh, Christian Brown, both three-stars. A brown four-star, my fault. But the point is, these weren't first in the class. Yeah, these aren't top ten projected picks, one and done. It's like Michael Porter Jr. is. Head coaching matters. That's why Jerome Tang's done such a nice job with K-State. He's finding the best of Desi Sills. Finding the best of uh, Keontae Johnson. College basketball is great right now, especially if you are a fan of a local team. Just had to give a shout-out to Mizzou, so they give a shout-out to KU in K-State last night. All right, we're going to talk some Chiefs in a little bit with Vinny Parisi. are going to talk about the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Chiefs game. Let me get your thoughts here before we go to him. Do you think the Chiefs are just going to go time and time again to Travis Kelsey? Because what does the Jacksonville Jaguars struggle at? Stopping tight ends. They're relatively stout elsewhere. They're good against the the uh, the run, relatively. Their overall defensive D, uh, EPA against the pass is not great. But the real kicker was them not being able to guard tight ends. Do you think Travis Kelsey just goes off on Saturday? It's playoff time. In the last three or four games, I want to say Travis has been held under 50 yards. He's going to explode. It's playoff time. He's He's coming ready to play. McCole Hardman continues to sit out of practice. Sounds like he is going to be out 
yeah. for Saturday. Not a massive surprise, but a massive surprise com- compared to what we thought was going to be the timeline. What was that eight weeks ago? Also got to give a shout-out to Juan Thornhill, challenging Chiefs Kingdom to break the 142.2 decibel oh, record. Yeah, because you heard the Trevor oh, Lawrence yeah. situation. I'm, I'm going to talk to Vinny about it because I'm very intrigued to know his thoughts on what Trevor Lawrence said because I, for one, I think it's a little overblown yeah. from, from Chiefs Kingdom, but also I understand. Yeah. I'm not blaming them. I don't think what Trevor Lawrence said was bad, but you protect your own. Yeah. And there's a you, you knew that was going to rile up the Chiefs fans. Any team that's going to rile up, but especially here in Kansas City, when you have the facts, the stats, the decibels to back it up, Trevor Lawrence, this is on you, pal. Yeah. Hey, they're going to use anything they can for motivation. This is just, that's smart by Juan Thornhill. Way to go. Good for Juan. We'll take a quick break. Come back. Be joined by Vinny Parisi of Black and Teal. Welcome back in, Sterling Holmes. Yeah, nice one there. Just with Lil John going to be playing the halftime show for Chiefs and Jags. And now we are joined by Vinny Parisi, Jaguars insider from Black and Teal. Vinny, how are you? I'm doing good, Sterling. How are you? I'm doing great, man. There was a spider behind me earlier, and I think I got it. I'm still a little scared, but so far, so good. I'm doing a radio show like it's Fear Factor right now, so I got that going for me. That's hilarious. I am not a fan of spiders myself, so I probably would have let out a little bit of a yelp if I were you. I wasn't listening when that became known to you, but hey, it's scary like, stuff. It's like that commercial, you know, where the guy screams. Uh, I try to keep it in check. I think Kyle probably could uh, could disagree with me, but I said I kept it in check. I don't think I screamed. But a lot I want to get into here. I'm very excited for this matchup. I'm a massive fan of Doug Peterson. We talk all week long about the Kansas City Chiefs, but I want to get a Jaguars perspective on this game. First and foremost, I want to talk Trevor Lawrence and his comments on the crowd. I, for one, I think it's a little overblown. What he said, I have no issue with, but he has to know that's going to be taken and ran with in Kansas City. A a fan base that's so passionate about what they did, breaking the decibel record for an outdoor stadium, 142.2. That's a big deal to them. What did you take away from Trevor Lawrence's comments? Yeah, honestly, Trevor Lawrence, he's an interesting dude, and he's one of those guys, he's not completely bland when you talk to him, and you can't you can't say that about so many athletes across all the sports. But when he says something like that about what's going on with the crowd at Arrowhead, I, I honestly think he's playing into it a little bit. I mean, he's played at Arrowhead. I, I think he's played a game at Arrowhead, right? I mean, there's there's no doubt that everybody who has played there and seen what the Chiefs do with their crowd and what's going on there, it's loud. It's one of the loudest buildings that, you know, you could play in in the NFL. And so I think he's just playing into it a little bit. There's no doubt that the Chiefs fans, though, they're going to take those comments and run with it. Like you said, they're going to try and be as loud as they possibly can. It wouldn't shock me if this upcoming weekend we hear the loudest we've heard Arrowhead probably ever. <laughs> I honestly think it could honestly get to that kind of level against this Jaguars team because of Trevor Lawrence's comments. So it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, Juan Thornhill, the Chiefs safety, even called out Chiefs Kingdom saying, hey, y'all, let's beat it. 
Let's break the record. It's time. I think it's just fun. It's a good little nice-hearted barb. You see a lot of Bills fans, a lot of Bengals fans, and a lot of Chiefs fans. They have this sort of ire towards each other. But with the Jags and Chiefs, it's not there. It's almost like both teams or both parties kind of root for each other because there's no real bad blood. And you're, and you're right. Trevor Lawrence played in Kansas City once this year in that 27-17 victory for the Chiefs. Um with that first half against the Chargers, the four interceptions, obviously Trevor Lawrence looked uh, he looked lost. He looked like he was overmatched. He looked confused. Do you think he got all of the postseason jitters out of his system, or do you think some of that will translate into the first half against Kansas City? You'd like to think if you get all the jitters out for the postseason once, you'd get them all out at the same time and they wouldn't come back. But I honestly think it's going to be an entirely different animal here with, with like you said, this the crowd noise that Arrowhead playing against the team of the Chiefs caliber. Listen, the Chargers are really good, right? Everybody knows Justin Herbert, outstanding quarterback. They got good players on defense, Khalil Mack, game breakers on offense. But nobody is the Chiefs. So I can't imagine going into this game against the Chiefs be feeling the same for Trevor or anyone on the Jaguars, for that matter, as it does against the Chiefs with what they have on their team. Most of the core pieces on this team are Super Bowl champions and know how to win. Trevor Lawrence has played exactly one terrible half of football since Thanksgiving, and it was that first half against the, uh, what are they called, the Chargers on Saturday. And so if he's got that out of his system, hopefully, but it wouldn't shock me at all if there was a little bit of nervousness or jitters in this game against the Chiefs early on. Do I think it'll last the whole game? No. Trevor Lawrence has played in some big games in his life, not even just in the NFL. He's played in college football playoff games with Clemson against good teams like Alabama and Georgia and stuff like that. So it wouldn't shock me at all if he plays well for a majority of the game. But to say that he's got all the jitters out of him, I actually don't see that being the case this weekend. Vinny Parisi joining us right here from Black and Teal. As a Jags guy, where do you think the Jaguars can take advantage of the Chiefs? Because we always talk about it where the Chiefs can take advantage of the Jaguars. We don't always get the other side. Where do you think Jacksonville can beat up on Kansas City? The only thing I could think of, so like if they were playing the Bengals, right, you would try to expose their injured offensive line. Or you take Josh Allen out of the game as much as you can because the Bills aren't you know, the most dimensional multi-dimensional offense with the chiefs it's like they almost do everything so well that it's hard to pick out one thing that you would try to expose if you're the jaguars i guess if i had to think of something mahomes i believe led the nfl in passing yards this season you got to try and take that away but can you really can you stop the offense from gaining passing yards i don't know can you contain them maybe i guess the the greatest thing that I can think of for the Jaguars when it comes to beating the Chiefs this week, it would be you have to outscore them. Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, all these guys, they're going to get theirs this weekend. There's no doubt. You just got to find a way. And Trevor said this this week. You got to score, score, score. That's their mentality this week. They know the defense is probably going to give up a couple points to this Chiefs team that gives up, scores points on everyone. So if I'm the Jags this week, my number one focus is to score as many points as I can. Yeah, I think it's a really good point because it's easy to say going into a game, we'll just just stop the Chiefs' offense. Well, they're the number one offense in the NFL for a reason. Teams try and stop them. They just can't. Your best bet is to try and outscore them, which leads me to this. Doug Peterson doesn't just have stones. Dude has boulders. He's so aggressive. We saw what he did in Philadelphia with the Eagles. Obviously very aggressive there with the backup quarterback in Nick Foles. Won a Super Bowl. We saw how aggressive he was against the Chargers. 
it worked out for him. Do you do you see him being extremely aggressive against Kansas City? I mean, even going for it on fourth and two, fourth and three, maybe even on their own forty yard line. I do because I don't think this is a matchup that favors the Jaguars in any way, shape, or form in terms of player personnel. Right? If the Jaguars are going to win, we said it. Trevor said it. They have to outscore them. If you're not aggressive and going forward on fourth down, what are you going to do? You're going to punt the ball away to Patrick Mahomes and let him drive down the field and at minimum get a field goal pretty much every single – I mean, it seems like it. I know they don't go, score points every single drive, but it certainly feels like they score on a bunch, a majority of their drives. So if you're handing over the ball back without getting something out of most of your offensive drives, I don't think they have any chance to win. So, yeah, I absolutely see Doug Peterson. If, if, he was, if you think he's been aggressive this season, I would think he takes it to another level against this Chiefs team because I don't see how they win if they don't do it as often as they can. You have to be able to keep Mahomes off the field as much as you can, and the way to do that is to be aggressive, try to you know, make plays that you might not necessarily go for during the regular season against a much weaker team. And the Jaguars know where they stand against this Chiefs team. I think every team in the league knows where they would stand against the Chiefs. And, you know, even if a team like the Bills were playing the Chiefs, I think they would have to be aggressive too because you just want to keep number 15 off the field as much as you can. The best way to do that is to keep your offense on the field as often as possible, and you have to outscore them as much as you possibly, possibly can. Vinny Parisi from Black and Teal Jags Insider joining us right Right here, And that brings me to the one area as a Chiefs guy I'm slightly nervous about. The Chiefs have these massive expectations. If they were to lose in this game, the entire season for Kansas City would be considered a a lost year. The Jags right now, I don't want to say they're playing with house money because the house always wins. I think it's a bad analogy, but I like to say if the season were to end right now, the Jags would be very, very happy. I'm sure you would be thrilled knowing you've already won a playoff game. You're at least a year ahead of schedule. This allows Jacksonville to play very, very loose. And to an extent, I'm a little nervous. Kansas City comes out and plays tight because of the expectations. That makes me slightly nervous. And so I agree with you completely. The Jaguars, they have won this season already, per to say, right? I just find it hard this is just me and my sports mentality on like wasting seasons, right? Like thinking, Oh, you don't need to win the Super Bowl this year because you're the Jaguars and you've stunk for all these years. You're finally good. You got a bright future. Why not try your best to take advantage of it now? And thinking the chiefs might be having that kind of mindset. The Jaguars have to be treating it as if they've won nothing. They have to be treating it as if it's their first playoff game, because then if they don't, they're going to get slaughtered and embarrassed. And have we looked at the schedule next year? And this goes for the Chiefs, Bills, and Bengals, too. That first-place AFC schedule is murderer's row. Yeah, it's going to be nice to play the AFC South teams who aren't very good a lot next year if you're the Jaguars. But you have three games against the Chiefs, Bills, and Bengals next year. That could be, you know, a 1-2 and two or an 0-3 and three record and a snap of a finger if you don't handle it right. So you got to try and win as much as you can this year. And listen, do I think they're going to beat the Chiefs this week? Probably. I mean, the Chiefs are a much better team. But they have to take this game as if. They're that experienced team that believes they can win, and maybe they can if the Chiefs underestimate them a little bit. I do think it is definitely an advantage for the Chiefs. The Chiefs have a clear path to the Super Bowl, in my opinion, because the Jaguars are young. The Bengals have an injured offensive line. The Bills have looked terrible in recent weeks. Josh Allen's making mistakes we're not used to seeing him make. So, you know, the Chiefs got to be thinking about those kinds of things. And how do you put those in the back of your mind and just focus on the Jaguars right now? Because they got to play them as if they're playing in the Super Bowl. Otherwise, neither team will win. 
So the Jaguars are ranked 30th in pass defense DVOA. From what I've seen, they're not horrible stopping the run. Is this how you beat the Jacksonville Jaguars? Is it through the air, specifically with the tight end? Obviously, we know how great Travis Kelsey is, best tight end in the NFL. But Gerald Everett went over 100 yards last week against this Jags defense. If you're Kansas City, how do you go up against Jacksonville? Yeah, if you're Kansas City going up against Jacksonville, you just got to play how you've been playing all season long. I know that sounds cliche. I know that sounds like a very vanilla answer. But Patrick Mahomes is the best thrower of a football in the NFL right now, and you can argue he's the best thrower of a football in the history of the sport when it's all said and done. I certainly think he'll be in the conversation. You have weapons. You have Andy Reid. You have the, this offensive scheme that is unlike anything we've seen from the Chiefs in their history, well, since Patrick Mahomes has come in the league. And they, they just do things that teams can't do. So I do believe if they stick to their game, they will be able to have a very significant pass offense against the Jags in this game. And that's why I preach scoring with Trevor Lawrence and being aggressive with Doug Peterson because it's going to be very hard for this defense as is to stop the pass as uh, is, is significantly good as the Chiefs have. So I know you've been preaching offense, offense, offense. I know you've been preaching how good Trevor Lawrence is, but Travis Etienne has been outstanding in his own right. We've heard a lot of teams, they've tried the game plan of shortening the game, of trying to run the ball as much as possible. Do you think you'll see a lot of Travis Etienne on the ground, or is it going to be more of the air raid with Trevor Lawrence trying to connect with Christian Kirk, who, by the way, Christian Kirk got the better of Legereus Sneed in the regular season? Yeah, so the Jaguars, I'm, I'm, make, I'm confirming it right now. I'm pretty sure they didn't have a single player on their defense last or on their offense last week received for over a hundred yards, which means that Trevor Lawrence, okay, they had one. They had one receiver. No, that's wrong. They have had not a single player reach a hundred yards on offense in the past game, which means they were spreading it around pretty evenly. They had, you know, seven guys make at least one reception. Four of them had touchdowns. Nobody had two touchdowns. They're spreading the offense all over the field in terms of their passing game. But Travis had 109 rushing yards, no touchdowns. He led total offense in yards, and I think that kind of tells me that if you're going to play them against the Chiefs, you're going to have to use the run game just as much as the pass game because it complements their ability to spread the ball all over the field. Obviously, Ingram's good. We love Kirk. Zay and Marvin Jones are very good. But if you're combining that with a running game, you're able to have a more multidimensional offense, and I think that'll help Trevor Lawrence if he does have experience any kind of nerves or trouble early in the game, having a strong running game to complement all of these weapons on offense that are they don't have that one superstar receiver like a Tyreek Hill or a Justin Jefferson. They're spreading the ball all over the field. I think it's easier to do so when you use the running back as strongly as they did against the Chargers. Vinny Parisi from Black and Teal, Jags insider, joining us right here. With the Jaguars' offensive line, how good are they? Are they healthy? Are they banged up? Do they give Trevor Lawrence time? Because Chris Jones, this season, has been the best interior defensive lineman in the NFL. He's been better than Aaron Donald this year. Not in past years, but this year. George Karloftis is coming into his own. Carlos Dunlap and Frank Clark, they've been solid as the veterans. Colin Saunders, the other defensive tackle for Kansas City, coming into his own. Joe Cullen, the the defensive line coach, in my opinion, has done a phenomenal job gelling some spare parts, making them one of the best defensive units in the NFL. Can the Jags' offensive line hold up against them? 
I think they can. I just think with the offense as relatively inexperienced as they are compared to the Chiefs, who have veterans on the team on deep, both defense and offense, I just think it's going to be difficult for them to be as perfect as they might need to be at protecting Trevor Lawrence. I wouldn't be surprised if he's scrambling a little bit more than he's used to in this upcoming week against the Chiefs. But, you know, the offensive line has done their job for the most part this season. But like we've talked about all shows so far, the Chiefs are an entirely different animal in every aspect of the game. And their defensive line and their pass rushers are so good. It wouldn't shock me if Trevor Lawrence has to make a couple adjustments this week. Well, with Trevor Lawrence, you mentioned his scrambling ability. He's so good. And that was one of the things that honestly surprised me. I know he did a little bit at Clemson, but it feels like in in college, almost every single quarterback can run at least a little bit. It's obviously a different animal in the NFL how good is Trevor Lawrence with his legs yeah he didn't need to be as much against the Chargers he only uh, had one carry for eight yards but you've seen that quarterbacks who are so good with their brains the modern day quarterback because we, we never saw Tom Brady or Peyton Manning or any guy like that do stuff like that but we're seeing it from we even saw from Aaron Rodgers a little bit Patrick Mahomes does it Josh Allen Joe Burrow can move a little bit Joe Burrow's had to otherwise he would die with the offensive line he's had last year and the year before but with Trevor Lawrence it's like he's almost just so good at playing the position of quarterback that he knows the right time to scramble and when to make a play if he needs to using his legs and he didn't need to as much against the Chargers, which kind of surprised me a little bit. But if he needs to against the Chiefs, it wouldn't surprise me at all if we see it a little bit. And I certainly would take the over on eight yards rushing for him in this upcoming week. When it comes to special teams, that's been Kansas City's uh, issue pretty much all season long. Jamal Agnew is a very solid returner. He's been one of the highest, you know, um, kick returners uh, yards in the NFL. How big of an impact does Jamal Agnew and the special teams for the Jags have in this one? Yeah, and Jamal Agnew returns punts and kicks, which is somewhat interesting. Not a lot of teams do it that way, but he's been so good that how could you not have a little bit of faith in him? And we saw him have a couple big runbacks against the Titans in Week 18 just to clinch the, the postseason berth as the South champions. So I do think, again, if there are ways you can try and beat the Chiefs, having good field position to start your drives is a great start, and that is a key to helping Doug Peterson possibly be more aggressive. If they start more drives closer to their own territory or closer to Chiefs territory, thanks to runbacks from Jamal Agnew, I do think that will certainly help them in their game. But you can't necessarily rely on it either because – what if the Chiefs are smart and they find ways to kick it away? Or if they, they know how effective he's been this season, they're just a little bit more strategic on when they punt. You know, you have number 15 at quarterback. Are they punting when it's fourth and two? I don't know. It'll be, you know, it might also be indicative of the score of the football game. So, but I do think having them there at him there as a threat makes them more dangerous, obviously, than if he wasn't there. So, you know, I'm excited about what he can do, and hopefully that'll help the Chargers get some good field position here and there. Do the Jags fans travel well? Are you expecting a lot of Jaguars fans in Kansas City? We know the Chiefs fans, they're, they're crazy, man. It, it, it's a whole different animal. They love the Chiefs. They will be there bright and early. They'll be cooking out, tailgating, having fun. Do you expect a lot of Jags fans there, or maybe not as much? Yeah, so I know we're expecting a little bit of a weather issue this upcoming weekend in Kansas City, and I'm wondering if that's going to impact the level of road fanhood that attends the game. Listen, I know the Chiefs have one of the most rabid fan bases in the NFL, and 
it, they travel as well as anyone. And it's kind of interesting because Kansas City, you know, it's not Chicago or Los Angeles or New York. But for some reason with these Chiefs, it's like it's the Chiefs kingdom. And like they call it that for a reason. And Arrowhead is what it is. I'm actually not expecting it to be as much of a Jaguars road friendly crowd as it would be if they were, say, playing a team closer. Let's say they were playing, you know, I, I don't know who it would be, Tampa Bay or something. Not, obviously not in the playoffs, Tampa Bay, but a regular season game. But as far as this game on the road, I'm not sure that it's going to be anything more than 90% Chiefs fans in this game, if not more, because it's going to be it's going to be rowdy. Yeah, you mentioned the cold, and that was actually my next question. Congratulations on looking into the future. Thanks for uh, for stealing my notes from me, Vinny. Appreciate it, pal. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> there is that potential for snow. The Jaguars, obviously, well, they're a Florida team. Is there anything to them having a little, a little bit more difficulty? in the snow, in the cold, or is that a little bit overblown? Patrick Mahomes, he's been great in the snow games, a few snow games he's played in. Obviously, there's no worry from Kansas City fans here. But as far as the Jaguars go, any concern there with the weather? You would think just based on geography that a snow globe type of game would definitely impact the Jaguars in a negative way more than it would the Kansas City Chiefs. But... um I, I don't know. Trevor Lawrence, he played at Clemson. Like, when did he ever really deal with snow either as a quarterback? And same thing in high school. Like, I don't even know if he's ever seen snow. Obviously, I'm joking. He's definitely seen snow. <laughs> but, you know, they're not necessarily as privy to it as a team like the Chiefs. We've seen Mahomes playing it before. We know he could play well in it. I also think, it's depending on how much snow they get, there was a game early in the season where the Chicago Bears played the San Francisco 49ers in the snow, and the Bears found a way to beat the 49ers. The Bears ended up with the number one pick. The 49ers are the best team in the NFC. And so anything crazy can happen in a snow game if it you know becomes that type of game. But you would think that just based on the talent of the Chiefs alone, combined with the fact that they've probably been a little bit more used to the cold temperatures. I know Kansas City's not Alaska, but it's also not, you know, sunny Jacksonville, Florida. So I would give an edge to the Chiefs if it did come down to, like, one of those messy kind of games. What has been the overall enthusiasm, the overall reception when it comes to Shad Khan, uh, I'm drawing a blank on the GM, uh, Doug Peterson, because I, th- I think originally, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Byron Leftwich was going to be the, the the guy in Jacksonville, but he did not want the, I believe it was the GM there, and that was a deal breaker. Then Doug Peterson came in. What has been the uh, the reception as far as, all right, I think they made the right choice, and he might be the guy going forward as far as the GM? Because I, I believe Doug Peterson, he's going to be okay in Jacksonville. Yeah, Doug Peterson's going to be fine. We're thinking of Trent Baalke as the GM of Correct. the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think, I think as of right now, you have to keep rolling with it because how how successful that 2022-23 was for the Jaguars so far. And we saw about as bad as it could be with the Urban Meyer experience. Trevor Lawrence took no steps forward. The offense wasn't able to do anything. They were one of the worst teams in the NFL. They ended up with the number one pick again, actually. And so... You know, they were just terrible pre this season. And I think they they got it right with Doug Peterson. He won a Super Bowl with Philly. And, you know, the reputation kind of slipped a little bit there. But was that more Carson Wentz than anything? Now we're learning as time goes on. Yes, that yes Vinny. Able... <laughs> yes, exactly. And so, you know, maybe Doug Peterson wasn't actually the problem in Philly. And looking back, I mean, Philly's doing quite all right now. Yeah. But, 
you know, things have turned out well for them as well. But, you know, now he's in Jacksonville, and he's helped Trevor Lawrence take this next step. He's been right there with Mahomes, Allen, Burrow, uh, Hurts, these top quarterbacks in the league since Thanksgiving. The the tables seem to have turned for him, and I think everybody's going to keep getting chances going forward. I'm very interested. I touched on it earlier in the show. Next year's schedule is so hard for the Jaguars. I know the uh, AFC South stinks, but – the non the non division schedule for them is brutal because of the fact that they finished in first place. They're going to be playing these monster teams again next year. It's going to make for great TV. We're all tuning into Jaguars Chiefs again next year. The rematch of this game, no matter how it goes, another year of Lawrence, another year of Mahomes. How good are they going to become? So I, I would keep it the way it's going. Are you shocked at all by Trevor Lawrence's? Uh, I guess, re-emergence? Because Urban Meyer, like you mentioned, it was such a disaster just from the start. All the decisions, I was shocked he got hired. We don't need to dive into the negatives of that Jacksonville Jaguars dark period. But are you shocked that Trevor Lawrence was able to so quickly take that rise into what has been a top 10 quarterback in the NFL, top 7, and like you mentioned, potentially even top 5 as the second half of the season has gone on? Are you shocked that you've been able to see that so quick from Trevor? I'm actually not, and I know this sounds crazy because people who have been following me for a long time No, I was way higher on Burrow than I was on Trevor Lawrence, even though Lawrence was seen as the number one prospect in the world. I was a little bit higher on Burrow just because I thought he was so good at LSU. It kind of diluted a lot of the things that Trevor did at Clemson, but he was the number one prospect when he was in high school. He was the number one prospect when he was in college, and then he was the number one overall pick in the NFL draft. And even though what everyone thought about Burrow, I think if they were in the same draft, they still would have taken Lawrence first, right or wrong, just because of you know the multiple years of a resume that he's built for himself. So no, I'm actually not very surprised at all that he got to the NFL because he's lived up, he's lived up to every expectation so far, and he's exceeded a lot of expectations at every level he got to. He didn't lose a single game in college football except for the, his last game in college football, the national championship against LSU. And, you know, he gets to the NFL and he's got this disaster of an organization with the Jacksonville Jaguars and Urban Myers coming in. You, remember, you might remember the Tim Tebow drama. Yeah. They signed him and he had the number one jersey sale in the NFL. It was just, it was ugly when he first got there. But once things started to look like a normal NFL franchise, all of a sudden Trevor Lawrence becomes this top quarterback and people are stunned about it. it it's like, why, why are you so surprised? He was the number one overall pick. He was Clemson's top guy who's making it to the national championship each and every year. You know, that wasn't all by accident. He didn't walk into any of that. He's a superior quarterback to most of his peers. And so now that he's in the NFL and he's learning the speed of the game and how to read defenses and make adjustments when NFL guys come out of halftime and they're better, Trevor Lawrence did that. He did it in a playoff game. That's incredibly hard. So, no, I'm actually not very surprised. I'm I'm actually excited about it. I'm happy he's this good now. Yeah, it's fun. If you look around the AFC, the AFC is littered with top-end young quarterback talent. You look to the NFC, a slightly different story. Uh, Vinny, give us your final score prediction. Does Trevor Lawrence finally lose on a Saturday? Yeah, so the Jaguars fans are going to kill me for this, but I actually (laughs) do think that this is going to be the end for the Jaguar season. I actually predicted them to lose to the Chargers, and then when they were down – 27 nothing. I was like, well, I didn't think it'd be this bad. And then they came back. But I actually, I think this is Kansas City's year to win the whole thing. Mm. And so they're my pick to win the Super Bowl. I have them beating the 49ers in the Super Bowl. And that's just me sticking to my true pick before the postseason even started. 
But, yeah, I think the uh, Chiefs are going to take this one. I'm actually looking at a relatively high-scoring game. I do think the Jaguars are going to have their cake and eat it, too. So I'm thinking like a, a 42 to 28 score for the final. Wow. So I'm a dumbass. I'm the guy that took the under. Thanks. I don't I don't like my bet anymore. Everyone I've talked to is like, oh, yeah, it's going to be high score and rip the over. And I'm like, well, I, I already threw some on the under. Um, not looking good for me, Vinny. Not looking good. Well, now that you got the under, I'll start. I'll start getting angry every time one of the two teams scores a point. So hopefully, hopefully you hit the under there. Hey, thank you for the support, Vinny Parisi from Black and Teal Jaguars Insider. Make sure you follow him on Twitter, Vinny V I N N I E P A R I S E. Vinny, great stuff, man. A lot of fun. Absolutely. Thank you very much for having me. It was my pleasure. We'll take a quick break. Be right back after this. Welcome back into the home stretch, ESPN Kansas City. Thank you again to Vinny Parisi joining us. I'm glad I got the name right, too. Kyle, Kyle and I were nervous about that. We were sweating over here. I don't think he was really sweating back there. He looks very calm. Good for you. No, it's toasty in this studio. I yeah, it, it's been toasty. Well, there's only two settings in a radio station. Yeah, It's either you're the inside of a hot pocket and you're just burning or it's frigid. Yeah. And you're sitting, you're like, how? How is it this cold in here? Am I in Antarctica over here? Yeah, the AC turns on once an hour. It sounds like a lawnmower when it it's a, it's, <laughs> it's a Boeing 747 just coming coming down. That's what it sounds like. Oh, man. Uh, Lamar Jackson wants to finish career with Ravens, according to the Baltimore GM. What do you think happens with Lamar Jackson and the Ravens? Nothing nice this offseason. They're not going to tag him. The, the franchise tag is like $46 million or $54 million for one. Yeah, that's not happening. Yeah, no. So either going to long-term deal. Yeah, it's either that or he's out. Or he's out. Yeah. What Based do you, on the deals we saw, we've seen last year, the one Russell Wilson got, the one Deshaun Watson got. What do you think Lamar's going to ask for? Anything <sighs> less than them? Well, the thing with, with Lamar, too, is Baltimore's built around him. But he's also built around Baltimore. He's not going to have the same success in a different offense, just how I think some quarterbacks aren't going to have the same success in Baltimore's offense. It's a very interesting situation because they're almost married to each other. And I don't know where they go from here. I feel like they get a long-term extension done, but I have no idea the cost. Lamar Jackson already has now major injuries. He also has an MVP. He also hasn't had any playoff success. It's a very interesting Situation with Lamar, with Baltimore. I don't know 100% where they go. Some news with the Kansas City Royals. Who would thought? Who would think, I should say, on January 19th, before a Chiefs playoff game, we'd talk some Royals. Well, here's why. Araldis Chapman is signing with the Royals per source from Mark Feinsand. I am confused. Yeah, I think that's an accurate way to put it. Befuddled? He's, what, 35? Yep. If I'm not mistaken, he's 35. Seven-time All-Star, 34 years old. Last year, the highest walk rate in baseball. 
And the Royals' former pitching staff, I don't know what this new one's going to be like. Do you have any faith they'll cut back on walks? <laughs> I sure don't. It does not make a lot of sense. They it, must have a lot of confidence in what they're building on the pitching staff side. The only reason it makes sense, because no one I don't think believes the Royals are competing for a legitimate a legitimate AL Central title, right, right. a legitimate deep playoff run. Uh, I, I need to see before, but I don't think many people even believe in them making a wild card or going 500. Yeah. So the signing then becomes... They hope he turns it around, and they can bring someone back in return. Yeah, trade him in, trade him in the summer. Exactly. You're not getting a lot for a 35-year-old Araldis Chapman who already has off-the-field issues. Yeah, that's another. I completely forgot. I he has off-the-field issues. He's old, not going to have long-term control. The contract, from what I've originally seen, is 3.75 million plus incentives. Again, this isn't official. This is all uh, per sources. Pending a physical. But this is a guy who was kind of a head case on the field. Yeah. Let alone the issues off. Why? The, Chief, or the, the Royals are trying to be a young, fun team. What does Aroldis Chapman bring back besides the potential for a lottery ticket if they performs well and they trade him. Yeah, if he somehow reverts back to 28-year-old Araldis Chapman. I don't see it. He was left off the Yankees bullpen playoff roster yeah, and then decided, screw it, I'm not even going to travel or do anything with you guys. I'm gone. Yeah, New York is ecstatic. He got an inf- <laughs> infected tattoo because that apparently was more important than playing baseball. And then the off-field stuff. I, I don't get it. I don't understand. I will say... This is not a move Dayton Moore would have done, I don't think. Not a chance. Uh, so if you want that sort of positive spin, at least you can see they're doing something different. Yeah, something was different in the method here. But I just don't understand this one. No, I don't either. I just don't. They want to be young, like you said, and then we brought in 35-year-old Araldis Chapman, 33-year-old Ryan Yarborough. Well, I don't mind Yarbrough. Yeah, I, I don't mind Yarbrough to an extent because I understand you need starting pitchers yeah. and to, eat to, to eat up innings. Yeah. And if the young guys do well, you can move Ryan Yarbrough to the bullpen. I understand that. That to me, I have no qualms with. I have slight qualms with Jordan Lyles. Right, that didn't make a ton of sense in my mind. If you want to, they overpaid for a guy who I didn't think they really needed to go out and get. Yeah. If he says no, you you, you live. Yeah, you're you're fine. But Araldis Chapman, I'm not seeing much outside of the fact that he might return a lottery ticket if he's traded at the deadline. Yeah, It's not Scott Barlow who had years of control where if you were to trade him, you'd re- get at least a decent haul back. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be the same situation with Araldis Chapman. I just don't understand um, the thought process here. Yeah, I agree. It is fun, though, to talk Royals. It is. I'm not going to lie. It's, it's been a it, very quiet offseason. It's been a long, long time. We've talked so much Chiefs for the past, I don't know, six months. It's nice to... Uh, All the Royals talks just been stadium, stadium, stadium. Downtown, downtown, downtown. Um, I have some 
information from yesterday, some Royals news. Again, we've talked so much Chiefs. Bear with me. Okay, I'm talking more Chiefs four hours tomorrow on 810. 7 11 p.m., me and Jack Johns will be hosting a show, a little Chiefs pregame show before Saturday, Friday night, 7 p.m. to 11 p.m. So guys, tune in. going to be a lot of fun. I'm also tra- talking another hour of Chiefs tomorrow on this show from 3 to 4 p.m. I will also be talking Chiefs for another hour after this from 4.30 to 5.30 with Matt Verderam. So cut me some slack. I'm talking little Royals. Let me have this. Don't let me go insane talking the same. It's, it's tough finding Chiefs nuggets time and time again, okay? Yeah, that's true. Only so many nuggets I can find before I go insane. Yeah. The Royals were reportedly rejected by the Twins in a proposed tra- uh, trade for pitcher Joss Winder in exchange for Royals outfielder Michael A. Taylor, according to Dan Hayes of The Athletic. Um, so it sounds like the Royals are potentially shopping Michael A. Taylor. I'm not going to pretend to know who Josh Winner is. I'm a massive baseball fan. I'm not going to sit here and say, hey, yeah, yeah this, is, this is a guy I know all about. He did make 11 starts last year for the Twins, posted a 4.7 ERA in 67 innings, uh, 26 years old, low strikeout rate, but a low walk rate. That, that's something to, to, to take note. There. So he was ranked as the sixth best prospect in the Twins organization before the year. And again, he would have six years of club control. So the Royals trying to go out, bring in a pitcher, highly touted in the Twins organization, didn't go through. I'm not a disappointed by this. It shows that they're not sitting on their hands. They're not sitting on their hands. Which, who sits on their hands, by the way? I never understood. If if you're on a bench outside, it's cold. You don't have any gloves. Do you do that? No. <laughs> do you? You sounded like you have an actual game plan. Kyle's back here. Well, yeah, when you're cold, you sit on your hands on a bench when you don't have gloves. You're very specific, Kyle. Oddly specific back there. And by the way, wouldn't your hands get colder? You're now your, your digits are on wood or metal. Kyle didn't think that one through, pal. I'm not sitting on my hands. The Royals, apparently, they're not going to sit on their hands either. Chiefs, Jags, Saturday. Thank you to Vinny Parisi. Again, follow him on Twitter at Vinny, P-A-R-I-S-E. Great stuff. I'll be on Sports Radio 810 tomorrow, 7 to 11 p.m. with Jack Johnson going way more in-depth of the Chiefs-Jags game. Until tomorrow from 3 to 4 p.m., this was the home stretch. Until then, we are out.